0: everybody. It's May 6, 2022. I'm Charlie Fink here with Ted Chilowitz for This Week in XR sponsored by Verbella. Good morning, Ted.
1: Morning, Charlie. How are you? I like your uh, virtual background. You're starting to uh, dive into that uh, sensibility of uh, where we are in the world. And I'm back to traveling <laughs> again uh, as we start to move from pandemic to endemic, whether they call it. So, You're uh, The Big Apple. I'm moving. No, I'm actually down south, but I'm moving. Um, I'm moving around to lots of different places over the next few months, so it's interesting. Well, Back we've got a great
0: we've, we've got a great guest today, Brad Oberwager. He is the executive chairman of Linden Lab, the company behind Second Life. So uh, he is the man. I don't think. I mean, he is the CEO at the moment. I think they're looking, but this is a, a very interesting company right now, and uh, I'm really excited to talk about what they're doing. Um, and their uh, entire creator ecosystem, which everyone is trying to build, and, and they've
1: had for almost twenty years. Right. Well, with the with the bones of what they've done, uh, as all the world is abuzz with the metaverse and virtual lands and virtual everything, they are the originator of this, yeah, right? So, yeah. Exactly. Uh, yeah. Or exactly. one of the news. so.
0: Um, well, let's let's get to the news. Okay. I mean, Board ape yacht club. Yeah. raises $320 million for virtual land. Almost uh, instantly, right? Like, <laughs> well, it wasn't almost instantly. And we'll, get to <laughs> okay. and we'll get to that in a second, but it's based on a one minute trailer. Yeah. And the trailer is so
1: cool. I, I mean, part of the reason this is working is because it's so cool. Right. Charlie, let me ask you a question. Is it too loud out here? I can move inside now. No. Sounds great. Okay. Good, because there's a lot of activity going on. But I mean, that's know, that's the that's
0: the Zoom. That's why we still use the platform, which is so awful for video, but so good for audio.
1: Yeah. Uh,
0: so uh, anyway, in, it's an incredible story. So what happened was they crashed Ethereum. Yeah. So many people went to mint their tokens at the same time that it cost them uh, six thousand dollars. <laughs> And it took a while to get their token validated.
1: Well, and the best way to describe this, I was trying to describe this in a, in a way that people that are not deep into this world would understand it. I said it's a bit like surge pricing for Uber. Yeah. When exactly. when the when the, the networks get overloaded and get constricted, the part of the system will actually raise what's called the gas prices, which are yeah. effectively the cost of making the transaction. And it became so intense that it cost more in the charges to acquire the, the chunks of yes. land than the land itself. And there, there's a lot of sort of, they're trying to figure out how to do give backs. This
0: is this is, this is the problem with uh, tr- uh, transactions and crypto. Yes. And is it really even worth it? You know, There are other ways to validate ownership. Uh, so I think they're looking at a second version of Ethereum that would address some of this. But right now there's a limited set of transactions that you would do on Ethereum based on the cost.
1: Yeah. And this is where things like Polygon and Solana and other alternative, uh, more efficient use cases for this come in. But
0: it's, you know, I mean, it's a completely novel way to raise money for a game or a movie. Yeah. Uh, and I think whatever the payment mechanism or the and the validation is, I mean, people are going to want to be a member of these kinds of collectives.
1: Yeah. And it will it will th- this level of intensity will yet create another realm of the also ramps right of the hundreds if not thousands of attempts at trying to okay. garnish attention and pull this off well, but this well like, i mean it,
0: it's been said that 90 percent of nfts are going to be worthless and we already see those jpegs like a validated jpeg who cares yeah likely way more than 90 percent
1: as it all shakes out yeah yeah so let's move on do you know john goldman i do know john goldman very well uh um, he just raised 15 million dollars for vr gaming yes and that Makes total sense as, you know, the, the Quest and other platforms start to um, get into real consumer numbers. The PlayStation 2 VR system is prepping for whatever launch time they're going to hit in the near term. Um, those kind of dollars are, are not out of the question uh, as needed to start to develop the hit content, you know, for the next five years. So I know John really well.
0: Yeah, he's been, I guess, working with Cobb. Graycroft, which is a another VC, yeah, which has made investments yeah. along these lines, so uh, very good sign for the future of the industry. Yes, and I think the timing here is is key, because I think a lot of uh, you know money got left on the table in 2015 and 2016 when the you know Rift and Vive did not break big. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know that's when. You know, our friends at AltSpace uh, got bought by Microsoft for you know essentially
1: cost. Right, and the stuff we're tracking is you know anecdotally, I talk to parents with kids, teenage kids, and they're asking me questions like, "What is how long is it safe for my kid to be in VR playing?" Games? Right, like how many <laughs> hours a day? Is right, okay. And I'm like, you know, when they're 11 or 12, they're really under the threshold. Their eye boxes are not fully set yet. But it says just,
0: it it says they want to be in yeah. VR
1: longer longer and longer right and it's a it's a you know those telltale signs while a concern on the healthcare sign are really valuable for an investment quotient sign they're saying well you want to be doing this and we need to put investment dollars against well you know what's interesting about the news
0: this week and, and we'll get to this in a second before we bring in brad is that there's a lot of news of vr suddenly doing things that you thought it was doing already Mm -hmm. you know like it's at a holocaust museum in suburban chicago it's you know being used in a you know flight school in somewhere in florida and you know nasa has a contest uh you know they're offering a seventy five thousand dollar purse for simulations around travel to mars
1: right and i would say you know from our long history with this charlie these are what i'd say for sure second probably third fourth Generation fourth iterations of these type of use cases. Yes. The Shoah Foundation has been doing stuff in VR for years. Flight simulators have been a stock and trade of the industry for many generations. Well, it's it's one of those
0: things, right? You hear of flight schools using VR, and you're like, well, of course they are. What took right. so long?
1: Yeah, and Microsoft built flight simulators for you know multiple generations that have been used, and you know Boeing and Lockheed and all those have you know flight simulators at all at all stage in VR. So now you're consumerizing it and taking it to a next level, but these are not new. None of this is new. So, do you know a company called Kinetics? You mentioned them a little more than I
0: knew. I didn't yeah, know they're out of Paris. Company. They just raised eleven million dollars, right. uh, but they are connected to this ecosystem we talk every week. That you know, they're serving the creators mm-hmm. of this spatial content, and in their case, it's focused on animation. I think it has a lot of potential. People, you know, are going to need to introduce virtual characters into uh, these scenes, whether they're games or non-player characters, I should say, whether they're games or there's a social or, instru- or, or teaching aspect to it. So
1: yeah.
0: uh, I, I think that one is well-timed.
1: These creator well. tools are, are obviously another thing that's been around for a while, going back to like the early iterations of Tilt Brush, which we were all enamored with. And then we've talked about Gravity Sketch recently. And there's a lot of kind of tools that ana- allow artists and creators to start to build things and incorporate things, right? So. It's another part of the industry. Well, you know what I heard twice this
0: week in, in my travels and in my research uh, was uh, had to do with something that Tim Sweeney said yeah. uh, from Epic Games, which is Unreal Engine. He said, if the metaverse is going to get built, it's going to get built with a game engine. So that's, you know, again, the unusual power that we see with Unity and Epic, Unreal Engine, Uh, And also, all of these aspiring game engines, like the
1: ones that are native to Rec Room and uh, Meta Horizon. Right. And that that makes sense from his perspective and his dog in the hunt, right? But I think you and I take a slightly different, broader philosophy, is if you start with that, if the metaverse is going to get built, it's built with all kinds of tools and online um, equations that people are doing and finding more and more value in using virtual systems, AKA what we're doing right now and what people are doing all around the world. So game engines are a significant part of that, but I, don't, I, I think it's incorrect to focus just on that because that's not the real answer to, the, to what will become the metaverse. It will be all forms of digital society, digital use case, digital productivity, digital entertainment, right? So, so let's wind know. up
0: uh, on the things we found out about the meta roadmap with regard to hard, what hardware roadmap mm-hmm. uh, that broke this week from yeah. uh, Ben Lang and Alex Heaney, and a bunch of other uh, writers were covering it. And uh, of course we got a lot more info on Cambria,
2: which yep. is sort of
0: their high-end or higher-end headset. And then another headset, I forget, You know they have all these funny project names. <laughs> so you know i don't know what this one is espresso well, they change a lot,
1: too they they start with one name and then they change to another <laughs> yeah so
0: this one name. though does face tracking yeah so it's going to have sensors on it that are going to catch your smile and also your gaze right which and might that is be going right. to make that is going to make um you know that's going to make social vr and
1: vr for enterprise you know for enterprise collaboration a completely different thing yeah and what i was going to say is michael abrash a couple years ago pre-pandemic was demonstrating prototype headsets that have those advanced tracking systems inside them so they if you have an avatar it will actually create your version inside vr because obviously this if we're both wearing vr headsets isn't going to work
2: right brad's joined us
1: brad welcome to the show thanks for dropping in
2: thank you it's always good to it's always good to hear your voice.
1: <laughs> morning, Brad. We're looking forward to getting your insights as uh, one of the originators of what we're all living in in the fervor of right now.
2: 20 years in, we're an overnight success.
1: <laughs> there you go. <laughs> that's,
0: that's what we say in showbiz. Uh, the uh, Second Life, first of all, got a big boost uh, over the pandemic. I, I, have you re- retained? a lot of the people who joined you, or were there these older members of the community coming back to it now that they needed that connection?
2: It was across the board. It was actually three things. So one, um, we did get a lot of people who remembered, in the, either in the back of their minds uh, subconsciously, how valuable Second Life was. If, if, remember, a metaverse, the way we look at it, it's social first. So when you start to, when the only way to solve a problem is by separating, Um, anything you can do to get together matters. Then, of course, we had some new users. But the real growth came when the users came in, the concurrency increased. And so the economy increased and the social increased. That's what has stuck. So yes, we've had people that have come in and stuck. Yes, we've had older residents come back and they've stuck. But what's been really exciting is how the economy and the social graph Has expanded, and that's really what has has stuck.
0: Do you think it's the creator economy that is the this cat is like? (laughs) Do you think it's the creator economy that uh, is going to really stick and expand, perhaps uh,
2: to other uh, you know new metaverses? Yeah, I, I I don't think you can build a metaverse. I just don't think that any one company, in fact, I hope no, compa- no <laughs> single company uh, you, you know, can build the metaverse. Um, I do think it can only come from creators. And I think that's a great thing because creators are only going to build what the residents in the metaverse want, right? A company is going to be able to direct you and build the things that they want. They're going to use behavioral modification. They're going to track your eye movements and they're going to control it. I want the residents to control it. I want the people who are there to control it. And the easiest way to do that is to let the creators, people that you don't control, build the things that people want to buy um, and to live in. And that's, that's the secret. So I think that's the fundamental underpinning of all the metaverses. Social is number one, but the creator economy is inextricably tied to the success of metaverses.
1: So the the philosophy of that is take the understanding of what happens in the real world with real physical goods, objects, and how we move around the world and make our choices and allow them to make as many of the similar choices or virtual choices in these places that exist only in a digital realm. And then you find success, is that the the thesis?
2: Ted, Ted, you are spot on. Here's the one thing that we've learned over all these years. The real world is the physical and virtual, and the virtual world. People think it's so different. It's not. Yes, you're an avatar. You're not walking around in in a real pair, in a physical pair of shoes. But the physical world has boundaries. It has infrastructure. It has laws. It has a social system, social mores, and it has money. The Mm -hmm. virtual world is exactly the same. There are physical. There are boundaries in the virtual world. We don't have. 75 million thousand metaverses because they would be boring. There'd be one person in each one. We have gaming engines, we have infrastructure, we have AWS, we have laws. You can't set up this call in the metaverse and then let people just walk in if they want to. We have social and we have money, and no successful society has operated without those five things. And I can guarantee you that if you want to go from metaverse to metaverse, if you live in New York and I ask you to move to Miami and you can't bring your clothes, that is mildly irritating. If you can't bring your money, you're not gonna to move to Miami. The same thing is gonna happen in the metaverse. Yeah, that's so really interesting. Around. Which
0: transaction is the most common inside
2: of Second Life? Uh, so this is, a beautiful, this is a beautiful question because it's like asking you what transaction is, the, what transaction is the most common in the physical world? <laughs> it's right. There may be things like healthcare is bigger than um, you know, amusement parks. But if you're at an amusement park, you're not actually thinking a lot about you know uh, healthcare, right? So what matters is it's it's not necessarily which category is bigger, it's what's important to you right now, and how are we satisfying that? We do 1.6 million transactions a day. We've got 2.2 billion items in the world. We have a we have a, a marketplace. We just ran yesterday, I was just interested to see like. What does the physical world and the and the virtual world have in common and what do they have different? On our marketplace, there are 700,000 items for sale that are less than a penny. Hmm. That's a big challenge for folks. But <laughs> wait, wait, the- wait a minute. You do
0: transactions that are the size of a penny?
2: And this is why when I watch people say they're going to put all these things on the blockchain and stuff, try doing 1.6 million transactions a day on a blockchain. Yes, maybe you can do it through Solana and hopefully... Um, bad things don't happen, and I'm supportive of that. But you can't move a penny, right. right? We move a penny profitably, right? Because it stays in the game. We're not just collecting the money. The resident is paying a creator that transaction, it stays in the world. We're a $650 million economy. It doesn't mean we make money off of it because you're we own, don't. Your
1: own virtual country, your own virtual world. <laughs> but, yeah. it, I,
2: let's let's just
0: take a step back and walk through the second life business model. Sure. So, so it's it's to become anybody can get an avatar and walk around. So I wanted to ask about the second Life business model here. It's free to join and and socialize and and check out what people you know what there is to see there. But if you want to start building places on your own, you have to be like a basic or a premium member where you pay. I Twelve or both, whatever it is now.
2: Yeah. So here's this is a absolutely critical question, not only to the future of Second Life, but to the future of the world. Right. And I and I, and I believe this sincerely, and I don't mean the virtual world. I mean the real world. Hmm. This question is the crux of everything going forward, and we have an opportunity to do it right, and we have an opportunity to do it wrong. There are. O- When you run a metaverse, it costs money. Anybody who thinks it doesn't, that is naive. Well, sure, everything gets
0: built, goes on your server.
2: Absolutely, we have engineers, we have infrastructure, we have laws, all the things that I mentioned. We build societies. We don't build just pure. So ultimately, we have to make money in some way, shape, or form to pay for all the costs that that occur. There are only two ways to make money. I can charge you for being in the world, or I can charge other people to be to modify your behavior. That's called advertising. But in the virtual world, advertising takes a, a level that you've never even thought of. When I can track your eye movements, and I can watch what you're looking at, I know you better than you know you. We have made it very public and very clear that we are not going to entertain advertising to us to modify the behavior of Residence. What that does though is that creates a need for us to make, to, to collect money in some way. So we go back to the physical world. How do we do that? You can come into our world, walk around, socialize, and it costs you no money. But really, what we do is rather than charge people, we do have premium services and things like that. But really, we have a land based model. And what that means is just like in the physical world, Second Life originally and effectively owns all of the land. It all sits on our servers. And so we have people who come in, they buy, but really it's a lease, they lease the land. So they pay us a small portion up front, and then they pay us a monthly fee and they can build things. And some of our biggest landowners buy a lot of land and then rent that out in small parcels to people that can't afford the larger parcels. In fact, they have full customer service departments for the people that rent land. Then those people put on stores. If those stores are popular, that person makes money. Some of that goes to the landowner, some of that goes to us. That model only works if you have a successful metaverse. And so the beauty of it is it creates a cycle that is a good cycle. The people that are building the things that residents want will make money, who will pay their landlord, who will pay us.
1: Yeah, and all you're doing is just talking about the difference between a dead mall and an alive mall, right? There are lots of Correct. dead malls all over the United States, all over the world that didn't hold an audience, that didn't capture them and keep them there. It's why anchors are so important in physical malls, you know, the, yes. big, box, the big box stores, the movie theaters, the entertainment areas, um, and why malls die is the same reason that virtual lands die, is you don't give them enough attractors. You don't give them enough reason to go there.
2: Exactly. And I don't like talking negatively about our competitors, especially in a nascent world where we don't know what's going to happen. But if you are a blockchain-based game and you sell land for $5 million, then what?
1: Right. You better show enough value or else people are going to leave it.
0: How do you travel around and say, can I teleport in Second Life from Ted's place to Brad's place?
2: Another, Another super important question. If someone, if Snoop Dogg buys land, and the land around him is worth $450,000 because Snoop, bo- got, Snoop Dogg bought it, guess how you actually get around? <laughs> you actually teleport. Right, so, so I'm trying to figure out why does proximity matter in the metaverse? Here's when proximity does matter. As land parcels are together, you can create s- social reasons for them be- to be together. So if Snoop Dogg buys an island and the island next to him is where he has his rock, his, his concerts, and the island next to that is where they sell his t-shirts, then proximity matters because I'm walking around, right? If I'm in my boat and I wanna cross from one ocean to the next, seamlessly, proximity matters. So as there's volume and social interaction, proximity does matter. But simply buying something next to someone and thinking that that's why it's valuable, that is not right and charlie and i talk about
1: this a lot this this sort of fatal misunderstanding of virtual land is that eventually the demand and desire for people to move from place to place will not be having to walk through xyz geography to get there you're just going to click on it and go there which is how the internet works today so we have this sort of overriding concern about people building artificial constrictions around well, you have to move through my land to get to your land, um, and that is a, is a problem. It strikes me that that amount of friction will not be
2: popular. It, that and it won't last, and that's the beauty of these things, right? And that, and we're back to the business model. Um, that that, that yeah, um, let's was, let's keep going. Up. Up. So yeah. So, you're, so you're, you're you have a
0: hosting business.
2: Right, and so if you start putting artificial obstacles in order to make more money, you will eventually kill your economy. Right. And by the way, any economist will tell you this, right? We've had economists on staff. We've watched this for 18 so, years. The, so the more you, yeah.
0: You're enabling stores and conglomerations of stores that behave more like malls. Right. And there are transactions, right? You walk into a store, you right. like to close, for your avatar. I know there's Strawberry Sing and other influencers have, you know, are sought after inside of Second Life for avatar clothes.
2: Right, and so now we're back to all these things. Now- Wait, so you take a cut
0: of that transaction?
2: No, no. If that transaction is resident to resident, we don't take a cut. So here's ah. how, Here, right? I mean, and, and you're talking about our competitors Take so in other words, three. if they buy
0: it from your store, you know your That's asset store, then there's a transaction fee. But if they buy it inside of Singh's store, right. there is not.
2: So, so here's where there is a transaction fee. So we have a thing called the marketplace. So Singh has a store. Yeah. And by the way, this is where proximity does matter. In, in, in some ways, the mall can't all be on one island. So the mall, there is proximity necessary, but none of it is art. that's the key but let's go back to let's go back to sync so you can put a store on there but people may not come so think of now let's go back to the real world you know forever 21 has a store in a real mall that mall is physical they also have a website that you can buy things on right we're the same you can put your store in our mall and you can put product on our marketplace, our marketplace because it's this much more efficient thing that cost us a lot of money to build. That marketplace does take a fee, but nobody has to pay us. It's a land-based model. If right. we build something that you use, we will charge for it. So but there's, it has to you're city. effectively a landlord.
1: You're the landlord.
2: It's, in, in, it, a very good one. We would so, like to yeah, think of. But,
0: But here's the thing. There's supposedly
2: scarcity of land. Yes. But you can make more land at any time. So those are two different things. So yes, we could make more land, but it would destroy the true value of things. If you have an island and I have an island and we each put a 22-bedroom house on an island, that's not fun. I want my 22-bedroom house to be next to yours so that we can interact, right? (laughs) The islands, the regions, they're servers. And... You know, it's a myth that people don't necessarily know unless you're in the business is when someone runs a concert and they say 12 million people showed up, 12 million people did not show up on one server. 12 million people showed up on 120,000 servers. And so there is this, there still is this need for growth of land, but it's all going to be the same as the physical world. We effectively have unlimited land in the United States, right? You can move to a place where there's nobody there and buy land very inexpensively but there's a reason you don't do it are
1: you are you with the current uptick of all this awareness of what you were one of the originators of 20 plus years ago are you seeing an uptick of new users and new signups now or are you still seeing, seeing people that have been around for a long time in second life kind of coming back to it and more active i'm curious what what's happening
2: we're we're seeing both and so so there's a couple of companies out there that do us a lot of favors right i mean I wish I started Roblox, right? I mean, what a successful company that is. How tremendous. We actually started at the same time and Mm -hmm. we grew bigger than them. And then we leveled off and then they exploded in growth. And there isn't a 13-year-old in the United States that hasn't heard of Roblox. You know, they have 100 million accounts and things like that. But there isn't an 18-year-old in the United States who plays Roblox, right? So what's happening is, is the, the new generation are getting educated in a very good way on things like Roblox or World of Warcraft. And these things have been going on for a long time. As those folks age, they want different things um, from the, they, they play, they wanna play less games and do more socializing. And that's what's happening in all these games. All these games are becoming social meccas and we're the same thing. So as people get drawn in, if they find a social experience that they like, then they stay. So our biggest success and challenge for new people coming in is how quickly can we get you to find what you love? And if we do that, you stay. And if we don't, you leave. That's everybody's risk. If you build a a mall in Decentraland and it's successful, people will come. If it's not, people will leave.
1: It's no different than the traditional entertainment company that I work for and many other people work for is you have to find what we refer to as hits, right? Of yes. people that are like, you, you mentioned Roblox, Roblox became a phenomenon and created multiple hits within that ecosystem. And you have had similar success, but you didn't get that sort of full peak moment yet, but maybe it's still yet to come, right?
2: Well, right. I mean, we haven't had in recent times, we haven't had that hockey stick growth, yep. but, but at the same time, every day that goes by is a new peak, right? We're, we're more like a, a very high rolling hill. I yes. mean, we, just keep get, we just keep getting better. And it comes back to this economy. You, don't, you know, Roblox isn't really a game anymore. It's mm-hmm. really a social society, which is the beauty right. of it. The That's first social network. It really, it really is. Now, the w- way we look at it, Roblox has a business model. Um, there's there's the land versus behavioral modification and then there's how you and then there's how you run the economy we've chosen an economy roblox also has a very effective model where you pay them and their creators get paid out as 1099s that is equally effective the rec room does that rec room does that now too right that is a very effect we have chosen this other system where we have leaned into a true economy now that means we we actually become we've actually built a currency that moves without us touching it, basically. That's an important difference. Yes.
0: Mm -hmm. Um, And so, yeah. Speaking of that currency, um, yes, it's different because the other ones treat it more like games where you have a token or assets and you can trade those assets for cash, but it's cash in the company store. It's right. right, You're still, it's still, uh, you know, uh, you're the customer. Correct. So, you know, you just, you just won the, basically gambling in the game by you Correct. know or or it imitates that behavior in blockchain games where you know you're right. you're creating enough content uh to be paid yeah so uh that's a very different thing than an economy as you said that you don't touch could you Correct. build if I was building a metaverse could I use your financial system that so, way I could have microtransactions people yeah. could walk into my store and pay a viewing fee of 10 cents. Uh, I mean, it seems to be kind of attractive. uh, And certainly I'd give you a small cut uh, just to be able to jumpstart it, because that's an enormous amount of work dealing with regulators, uh, you know, understanding, you know, uh, costs of transactions in the outside banking system. I mean, this is not a trivial thing in any
2: sense, is it? This is not a trivial thing in any sense. We built it for Second Life. We have spun it out as its own company. And we are the financial underpinnings of many of the metaverses that you know of because of exactly what you said. When you move money, be it virtual or real fiat or physical fiat, when you move money, you are regulated. And that is a good thing, right? Because you don't want to collect the money that, that, that Charlie pays me that I might owe Ted down the road, and, I, and you don't want me to spend it on a yacht. So the governments, every state, they come in and they audit us and they say, do you have that money? And we do. And so we offer that service to these other metaverses. But you bring up another point, Charlie, which I, which I, I find important. And if, you're, if, you, if you'd like to hear it, these metaverses People think they're gonna to talk to each other. And a lot of people think there's gonna be exchanges between metaverses, either dollars or something, and that there's gonna be these universal tokens that trade on the blockchain and you can buy in Coinbase. And we have looked at this for a long time and it's both incredibly amazing as an opportunity and impossible. And let me tell you why it's both at the same time and what we think is gonna happen. So, Charlie World, um is a metaverse and it has charlie coin and in charlie world wings are super valuable for whatever reason they just are really valuable people use them it helps them ted world also has ted coin and in his world swords are super valuable doesn't matter why now when charlie world and ted world interact It's not the same as the physical world. So I'm gonna put that on pause. In the physical world, if I have a BMW in San Francisco and you have a BMW in the UK, they may cost differently, but it's still a BMW. A gallon of milk is a gallon of milk. They are valued differently, but the thing itself is largely the same. That you can make currency trades. In the physical world, currency trades depend on the economy, interest rates, the government, there's all these things and they trade very tightly. Now let's go back to the virtual world. Why is this so hard? Charlie world thinks that one pair of wings is worth 10 swords. Ted world thinks that one sword is is worth 10 Charlie wings. You never solve that problem. It is an unsolvable problem. And so what you need to create is not a Linden dollar that works in every world. You need to create a coin that works in between. So that Charlie World coin go into a, Lind, uh, a Tilia coin, and then Tilia coin can go into Ted World, that works. That's a stable coin. And we think that that is the absolute future. There are four or five companies that are trying to do it right now. And we are, we're the financial rails under those companies. So we just want to see that work. It doesn't have to be a winner take all, but it's a, that is the exciting future of all these metaverses.
1: Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense to me because- as a parallel track to that, we talk about the challenge of interoperability around the metaverse, right? And the goal set of interoperability. Um, but if if we were on a if if some of us or you wanted to bring in another guest to this that happened to be on a different chat system than what we're using now on Zoom, that would largely be impossible today and largely into the future because those companies have to build an economy around their goods and services, not on interoperability, which is a little different than like an HTML5 model where we're all on different computers, probably different operating systems, but we can all actually function together. Right? So you've got that plus what you talked about, about, you know, transferability of of currency from world to world. We have walled gardens and they are built for the reasons of these companies trying to make a living protecting their, their shores, right? So yeah. how, do we, how do we deal with that? It's a, it's a philosophy versus practicality problem.
2: Right, You're, so interoperability on the tech side is just, we're, it'll happen, but it is a long way away. Yeah. I just don't think it's that important, right? I think that what's important is you can move your friends and you can move your money. Mm. Make that super portable and, and in some, to some extent your avatar. Make that super portable. The rest will figure itself out over time because the physics that we've all built, my gaming, you can't bring my stuff into Roblox. It doesn't work. And well, by the way, it, you know, it doesn't thinking, work with NFTs either.
0: Right. I mean, I've been thinking about this a lot because I'm going to want to go from Ted's place in Minecraft to Snoop Dogg's mansion in yes. Sandbox to you know my neighborhood in Second Life. Yes, and, and, you know, I think the idea of the metaverse is that we're going to eliminate the barriers to doing that, right? Yes. We're going to make the metaverse act more like the web, honestly, so yes. that there are not these barriers. But it doesn't really matter. What you need is a kind of AI that translates you, you know, instead of going through a new sign-in process for your separate identity on that separate site, you know, you would sort of pass through a wall where AI would convert everything or at least change your wallet so you see the different things that you have access to in that particular world. I mean, I think think, this is a thorny issue. And the question is, what's the benefit of it? And what does everybody get out of it? So I think there's someone will come up with
2: this. Yeah, well, think
0: of it this way. Maybe it should be tied to the financial piece and the identity
2: piece. Think of it this way, Charlie. So right now I can go on eBay, I can go on Amazon and I can go on walmart.com, okay? We have created a browser that allows me to do all those things. But if I have something in my shopping cart in Amazon, I cannot go to walmart.com and check out. So those, are those interoperable? Yes, I use Chrome so I can go back and forth. Is that interoperability though? Not really. Now, then you have these companies like Shopify. Could Shopify, if they were running four websites, allow me to keep one persistent shopping cart? Maybe, they don't, but that's the way you're gonna have to do it. So, but Shopify, but putting shopping carts together, that's an easy thing and people want that ubiquitousness and and things like that. The metaverse isn't like that. There's no incentive for us to do that. But moving your friends, your avatar, your identity and your wallet that will matter. So so it'll be very interesting. But the web, the, back to the thing, the, these, a, these analogs have happened before. I can't go from, from shopping at Forever 21 to shopping at Amazon with the same shopping cart. But my browser works perfectly.
1: But but the ease of knowing I can very quickly see if the same goods and services are there in multiple places mm. is kind of a close analog to that. I can quickly stop yes from the one website to another website, see if they have it in stock, see what it costs, yes. see if they have free shipping, you know, yes. the, and, and that's sort of what we're talking about here, right? Is right,
2: and we don't have that yet. Nobody does. That is, that's the next, vert. like we're gonna get there slowly. That's the next one is right. when the, is when our browsers sort of become as easy to use, our, our, our visualizations, our, our downloads become as easy to use as Chrome that's the next step
1: well and the interesting sort of battle for the next horizons of all this is that the game engine companies you know everyone that has a dog in the hunt the game engine companies feel like they're the ones to do this the yes. e-commerce companies feel like they're the ones to do this the virtual land companies feel like they're the ones to do this the giant tech giant the, the tech giants the microsofts and googles of the world say they're the ones to do this but they're all and you know they're all sort of jockeying for position with their yeah. goods and services but don't want to give up the ghost to get there. They want you to come to their world, not the other world. Right,
2: right. So they they say about how magnanimous it is, but they all want to
1: win.
0: It's re-centralization.
2: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. 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 Well, you know, we just, yeah. We just hope that the winner, you know, all these things, they have their double-edged swords, right? So, you know, we don't run a charity, but we have injected good in the system. We get, we're a privately held company. We do fine. We do not extract every dollar that we can from this company. Right. We, I firmly believe that you must inject good into the system. It must come out of a human being's brain. If we leave it up, if we say the ultimate goal is profitability, we are in a lot of trouble. And so we, you know, Philip Rosedale, I view him as the moral uh, compass of the, the metaverse. He and I are extremely close friends. He, you know, we talk about this. Philip is the founder and creator of Second Life. yeah, sorry, so he was the creator of Second Life, and he's just he's a big thinker, but where we where we just agree and and just wax on when we're just hanging out is man, if we don't if if we don't stand up for this, who's going to mm-hmm. um, and so and so we give up a lot of financial gain in order to be. The good guys, but not because we're a charity. I just think that that's going to win in the long run, also. So I do, I do, I do, do I do do it for long term gain. But my long term gain is twenty years.
0: So we're we're running out of time, which is terrible. Because the two other things I wanted to talk about is Second Life itself, and you know if it is isn't even possible uh, to grow it by changing platforms, right? I mean, Rec Room exploded. Uh, when it, you know, uh, got off of the VR only and went to consoles and mobile. Is there that opportunity for Second Life? And here's why I think there may not be, because your community is so unique. If you flooded with people from those other communities, it might be actually detrimental.
2: Yeah. so, So every time we think of something, we're probably the slowest moving technology company on the planet. And not because we're not good. It's because we have so much to protect when you you know when the dot com came around and all the young dot comers which i was one of them way back then we always just say oh these big companies are dinosaurs they can't move no 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 it's that they didn't want to because they had so much to protect so we will never our number one guardrail is never do anything that can hurt the community right. and so it makes it, it takes us longer to launch things so there are going to be baby steps mobile that's not going to ruin anything that's going to enhance the experience if we put something back end on Unity or Unreal, that's not going to hurt anything if it doesn't if it doesn't negatively impact something. We put everything on AWS from our own servers. That was a good thing. So there are technical progresses that we're making. What you're talking about is something that we spend a lot more time and thought around. Do we want them to bring in Second Life? Do we want them to bring do we want to bring them in adjacent to Second Life? Do we want to have different ways to build avatars? That's very tricky. And that's well, now oh, you're yeah. back
0: to Sansar, right? You're building a parallel world, trying to use the economy and the influences, and the, but it's really just a, a separate product, but is also a social product. But you know, right. Sansar, Sansar was just so badly mistimed. It was one of those efforts Ted and I were just yeah. talking about that you know they they started in 15. You know, if they had started in 19,
2: <laughs> their right. story might be very different. Right I mean you know and, and we're looking at it, but we're, we, we'd like to learn from some of our some of our past and you know sometimes we, we have these meetings and we're like, oh, we tried that and, and right, went and they go yeah when oh, eight years ago <laughs> you know so, so like, uh, you know it's very funny but but I do think we're looking at it. I just we just have to do it in a way that can't negatively impact. So growth outside of second life, whether you call it second life or not, is going to be something we're going to pay attention to. But right now, what we're trying to do is continuing to make the second life experience better and then attract new users into that, but who can benefit and, and benefit the societal aspects of it. We're not going to we don't want to bring in a million people who then ruin it. That would be right. terrible.
1: Brad, here's a good wrap-up question for you. Tell us okay. for for users that are listening to us, not been on Second Life or maybe not been on for a very long time. What are the three most interesting and popular things you see people doing in Second Life today? Give us, give us some sense of what they do so that they like, so people listen to us go, oh, I can do that in Second Life. I'm going to go join Second Life.
2: So so the first thing I would tell a new potential user is Second Life is not the easiest world to become a part of. I agree. But it is, but it is the most worthwhile. So the first thing I would say is get in there and stick with it. Um, the first thing that you want to do is you want to go. So, so as you would expect, we have an orientation region, our orientation region, the second life company that I own, our orientation region isn't even in the top three of the best ones that keep people go to one of the other orientation reasons and start talking to people, start chatting and then ask them again, the top three, when you ask the top three things and, and I'll talk about them, but. Really what's interesting, this is the beauty of it. And this is this is sort of the real interesting thing is you tell me what your top three are. Mm-hmm. I guarantee you they are in Second Life.
1: There's someone else, so, so there's a group of community doing those things in Second Life, right?
2: Exactly, so me telling you that all these people go and watch a movie um, together that someone in Second Life has made And that's really, really popular. That actually might not be the best answer because just because it's popular to this person doesn't mean it's popular to you. What I would say is you tell me your top three and I guarantee you there are other people in Second Life who share that passion and who want to have you join their group. It can Mm. be fantasy. It can be charity. It can be trying to change the world. It doesn't matter. It's in there that's the real top three. And I don't know anyone, any, I, I would think a lot of people would answer the question and they'd give you the top three, this game, this move, this thing. I care about what are your top three. And what we then have to do to your early questions is we have to support a system that supports thousands and thousands of top threes, hundreds of thousands of top threes. That's a metaverse. It's not me building the top three things to engage a whole bunch of users that I advertise to on Facebook. It's me building a system where you can build hundreds of thousands of top three things so that everyone feels a part of it. You feel accepted, you feel wanted, and you have something to offer the community.
0: Wow, that's a great place to end this fantastic conversation. Brad, thank you so
1: much for coming on the show. It seems like we need to like a part two of this conversation. Yeah, I think that's what we'll do. We'll do a part two and we'll talk more about this social graphing, which is what I want to ask more questions about because I have thoughts about it, but we're going to stop here because people got to go on with their lives. So. Have a great weekend,
0: everybody. Thank you, Brad. And as always, have a great week and we'll see you here next time.